So today we celebrate Wellington Heritage as we celebrate the Feast of All Saints. These twin feasts of All Saints and All Souls, as many of you probably know, are in our church calendar not just as a catch-all for those good people, saints, and martyrs whose days we might have missed along the way, but they are there to remind us of all those that bore light in this world, the great communion of saints. The idea of heritage falls in wonderfully with some of the themes from our readings, our sentence for the day, and our collect. These guides from scripture and the prayer book, they lead us to a place where we must consider those who have gone before and the inheritance they have left to us. One of these sacred elements of our Christian inheritance, this glorious inheritance passed down from the saints, passed down within the hallowed bodies and lives that make up the church, is a holy disruption. It's a lived experience into the truth that the expansive love of God disrupts and disturbs our default settings. What do I mean by that? When we get a new gadget or a device, it comes with default settings, a new car, right? Is it maybe a default background, a default ringtone, a default setup uh, before all the apps and widgets and everything get added? And it kind of guides you in the way that you use your phone. And humans, humans, we're kind of like that. We have default settings. In psychology and the social sciences, we call this conditioning. Now, some of these defaults we inherit from the families that we're raised in. Some of these we inherit from a larger cultural setting. And humanity also has some default settings. Yes, there are exceptions in individuals and subcultures, but broadly, there are these settings that seem to transcend boundaries of space and time. One of our default natures is to be um, a little bit greedy. Now hear me out. When we think about how much time and money and energy we're spending on ourselves versus on other people, who comes first? Who comes out on top? By default, we look out for number one. We look out for ourselves. The way I organize my calendar, my finances, the way I structure my life, who do I prioritize? Myself. Another default of human beings, handed down through millennia of careful, crafty, evolutionary sociality, is to find in-groups and out-groups. Gosh, we just love an in-group. We love to rest in safety, comfort, and belonging. That's our default. And the corollary is that we love to have an other on whom we can cast all of our disgust, distrust, and all our ill feelings. We're not like those judgy Baptists down the street. We're not like the gun-crazy Americans. We're not like them. These are some of the defaults that we've inherited as human beings. But in our Christian inheritance, we find a holy disruption. The gospel reading today is Luke's version of the Beatitudes, and there's a whole lot of blessing. But then there's a whole lot of woe. Now, theologians, exegetes, and preachers have become wonderfully adept at ignoring these woes 
or spiritualizing them or allegorizing them, saying, oh, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what Luke meant, like in Matthew, right? We're like Simone Biles, the American gymnast, flipping and contorting to get away from that plain reading before us. Unfortunately for you, I'm not good and clever as Simone Biles and these exegetes, and so you're left with the plain reading. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep now. That's great stuff. That's the good news. Give me more of that, Jesus. Hallelujah. But then the gospel continues. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are laughing now. Okay, okay, okay. That's not good news. I like to laugh. I like to be full. I like my comfortable, cozy lifestyle. Surely those woes can't mean me. Right? Right? I thought the gospel was supposed to be good news for all people. And this doesn't sound like very great news. But the expansive love of God disrupts and disturbs our default settings. Our default is to see these riches as blessings, to see comfort as a blessing, to see laughter as a blessing. But that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is that those whom we look on with pity, with judgment, with disgust, they are wrapped up in the same blessed boat as we are. They're interwoven into our story. And our blessedness, our triumph, our success, and our liberation is woven in with theirs. These woes, they aren't good news. But they become good news when we realize and live out this blessed interwovenness. They become good news when we realize that the riches, the laughter, the plenty, that's not the point. The point is that the radical love of God upsets our default settings of who's in and who's out. The point is that the radical love of God upends our default settings of what we think success is. The point is that the radical love of God disrupts our ideas of what justice is. Oh man, how I love to see the bad guys get what they've got coming, right? But that's not the vision God sets before us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Turn the other cheek. And it's not just about a mental transformation here. We're not just doing the matrix, free your mind. What the saints and martyrs lived out was the truth that in Christ there is transformation. Not just of one's mind, though that's probably where it starts, but of, and it's not even just about one's individual life, but of society together. The Beatitudes call not just for reorientation of how we think of ourselves, outsiders, money, and success, but they ask us to transform our lives. Our inheritance is not just the disruption of our default beliefs, but also of our actions as well. The, the inheritance that we've been handed down by the saints is what Catholic activist Dorothy Day called the reckless way of love. And this recklessness, give to all who ask, turn the other cheek, does that make me uncomfortable? Does that make me squirm a little bit? Absolutely. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to make changes to our daily lives and to wrap our success up in with the success of our neighbors. 
but it's also a bit exciting, thrilling even. Are we ready to let our prosperity be contingent on the success of the poorest, of those who weep, and of those who are hungry? What does this interwovenness look like? The Christian inheritance, this glorious inheritance, also includes the gift of the lives of the saints. Lives that inspire, call, and challenge us to live ever more deeply into this reckless way of love. You have St. Francis and Suzanne Aubert, whom we celebrated a few weeks ago, who gave their whole lives to the poor and the sick. But we also have saints among us now who point us towards that reckless way of love. Some of the saints that have inspired my life have lived in moments and beauty that call us to reach for something beyond ourselves, that calls us to disrupt our behavior and our actions. When I graduated from my undergrad now uh, 10 years ago, I had a classmate go work on Wall Street. He was making the big bucks, he had his big fancy suit, and then he heard the voice of God disrupt his default settings. He felt God saying, a tithe is 10%. I want you to live off of that 10% of your income and give the rest away. And so Graham thought, you know, um, God, I think, uh, I don't know if I've got this right. And he prayed about it, and he prayed about it, and he felt God's call continue to pull on his heart. And so he said, okay. And so he moved uptown, way up the A train. He found a flat with bunk beds, and he gave 90% of his wealth away. Hearing this story, my partner at the time and I decided we could do this during Lent. Take all our income after rent and utilities and give 90% away. Another example, up the hill at Ramsey House, some Anglican students at the chaplaincy saw that our society is fixated on doom and all that's wrong with the world. So they went on a journey in our community to find hope in the world, sharing stories and glimpses of God's beautiful redemption, stories of hope from around our community in a new podcast called The Happy Revolution. In the car park here, we have another example of the free store volunteers and staff coming every day of the work week because they believe in love and community. They believe in the distribution of food and uh, preventing food waste. In my own Fakapapa, I have lights that lead a life of disruption. My grandfather passed away a fortnight ago at the age of 94. And after his death, the stories were being passed around, stories that were funny, sad, reminiscent. I was reminded of a story from the mid-1960s. His church, Chinese Baptist Church of Houston, was raising money for a new building. And he pledged what today would be 10,000 US dollars, or 16,000 New Zealand dollars, towards that building project because he believed in the mission and the values of the church. He felt God's call to disrupt the way that he organized his finances. This was above and beyond the 10% that he normally gave. A grandson of a water buffalo farmer, a son of a fish and chip operator, he didn't have $10,000 in cash laying around. So he learned how to tune pianos, and in the little spare time he had after his 40-hour work week, he tuned 66 pianos, and after 264 hours and 15,180 strings later, he paid off his pledge. 
Now, I don't tell these stories because they're displays of superhuman sacrifice or superhuman saintliness. No. On the contrary, I tell these stories because they're very much within our reach. These saints let the love of Christ disrupt their default views and default actions. Now, what can that look like here at St. Peter's on Willis? Well, that, my fellow saints, is up to us. As a church called to live out this holy disruption and disturbance, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims into our lives. Know what is the hope to which God has called you. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints? Amen.